Hello and welcome to A New Nation, the US election special. Uh, we are recording on Monday the 2nd of November. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by my hostess with the mostess, the wonderful Mick Ward. Yay! Hostess with the mostess, I try. I try. <laughs> Thank you, Nathan. And I am thrilled that we are joined by a special guest star, Ollie Parker. Say hi, Ollie. Hi, Ollie. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ollie is um, a bit of a US aficionado. He volunteered for the Obama campaign uh, back in 2012. How old were you in 2012, Ollie? Like, uh, no comment. Um, no comment. <laughs> no comment. It was a while ago. It was 30 ish. 30 ish. 30 ish. And, uh, and now, Ollie, not now, but Ollie is a. Uh, public affairs manager for a big charity, very reputable charity. Well, they, they would say that. Um, but that brings us on to an important thing, which is that these voices and opinions are our own and not any of our employers whatsoever. So please remember that. Um, none of our employers have any official stance on the US election, to my knowledge. Like, this is the kind of thing. Maybe, maybe there's a policy somewhere. And a previous employer that I had, I was very both surprised and pleased to discover once on the server a mug policy, a policy about the distribution of mugs. That, the office politics around mugs is ridiculous. Yeah, well, it wasn't actually about that. It was about like giving mugs as like prizes for things. It was like these mugs should be like really highly regarded. So we only give them out on special occasions. Please don't steal the mugs. Are you sure you didn't work for the same charity that I worked So we are going to discuss a couple of things. So the plan is that we are going to do a very short, sharp um, episode here, looking at some of the predictions, some of the places for us to keep an eye open for, almost a bit of a guide uh, for the night. Um, which Ollie's going to provide. Thank you, Ollie. And then we're going to come back and record a more fuller episode on Thursday, where hopefully we will be able to analyse the results. And I think the most exciting thing is that we were going to keep a record of our predictions um, so that on Thursday I can confront us with the, the stark reality that we know nothing at all, which is fine. Ollie, you probably do know actual things, um, but you know me and Nathan don't know anything really about any place. Do we? Well, you might not, but you'll have to research. Um, so shall we get cracking with some questions to Ollie, I think, because we're going to make this a super short, snappy uh, episode. And Ollie, I, just, I was really interested, um, from, from your understanding, what is, what's happening right now in both the Biden and Trump camp today as we head into polls tomorrow? So uh, it's the last 48 hours. Early voting is over across most states. It's also probably too late in most states to get your, your postal ballots in. So it's just those final two-day rallies like any other election campaign. It's about going around your core areas. It's about GOTV. It's about uh, finding where there are voters left who haven't voted yet because, of course, nearly 100 million people have already actually voted so far in this election. So uh, and that's one of the things that's quite different, isn't it, Ollie? Like one of the things that uh, that seems weird, I think, sometimes to British eyes is to watching all these people constantly putting their ballot papers into ballot boxes weeks before the election. So how much how much is decided tomorrow and into the evening, and how much do you think has already been decided? Um, so it's, I think it's a really interesting question. It's actually one that a lot of election watchers have grappled with this year, and you know, in sort of. Uh, 
US politics nerd Twitter, it's been the hot topic of debate, is how much this early vote, this 100 million block that have already voted, what does it actually mean for the final result? And the truth is actually, well, the, the broad consensus is that nationally, it doesn't tell us much. Um, at the end of the day, a vote cast on election day is worth one, a vote cast early is worth one. That said, what the polls are telling us is that um, Democrats plan to vote early uh, and Republicans plan to vote on election day. And a lot of people have voted early. A lot of the states where uh, in American politics you can register as a Republican, register as a Democrat, there are a lot of states that share that information. So you're actually able to say a lot of Democrats have voted in this state, for example. So where we do have that evidence, we can see that Democrats have voted extremely early. So on a pan-national level, you'd rather be the guy that's already banked the votes than the guy that's waiting for people to turn up on election day. So you can say that's good for Biden. However, they count the same. So you can't say it's in the bag yet. However, Don Donald Trump... Sorry, after you please finish what you're saying. I was going to say, Donald, Donald Trump um, did some chat earlier in the election, basically trying to sort of cast aspersions on the security and the safety of these sort of like pre-election votes. Now, was that, does that mean that there may be a cohort of people who's, who were going to vote early, but decided in order to make sure that their vote really counted would hold their vote back? And yep. would, that, would that significantly affect Republicans more or the Democrats more? Uh, significantly affect Republicans more. That's what we're seeing. Um, the, the distrust that Donald Trump has uh, deliberately sowed in early voting and postal voting has disproportionately meant that Republicans are waiting to cast their vote on election day because they want to make sure it counts. Mm. And uh, will they all be able to do that? Because, you know, we see these big long lines outside of American polling stations all the time, which is very different, again, from what you normally see here. So, like, is there a rule where everyone will definitely be able to get to vote, even if the line takes four to eight hours? Like, how is, it, how is that physically going to work? Well, this is one of the quirks of American politics, is that it doesn't just vary by state to state, but often by county to county in different states. So the rules are kind of different everywhere. But again, just kind of stepping back and looking at it on a broad perspective. Yeah, you know, tomorrow there's, there's bad weather in Florida. Uh, or North Carolina, you know, a storm comes out of nowhere, it starts raining. There are six hour lines at the polls and maybe you're not as enthused about voting for Trump as you were four years ago, so you just skip it, you know, mm. people have car trouble. There was this insane thing yesterday where Trump voters were blocking the road mm. in support of Trump. Why? <laughs> I, I honestly cannot tell you what protest or outcome that achieves, but yeah, we're seeing quite crazy things like this. So yeah, it's, I, I can only say we don't know. They could all turn out, they could all vote, they could all get to vote because they're all highly infused, which the polls, let's face it, say they are. Republicans are really, really excited about voting in this election. But yeah, things can happen. It's definitely a risk to wait until the last minute. And is it right, Ollie, no. that um, the, the figures that I'd, I'd seen anyway were showing a significant increase in young people voting early as well? Um, and surely that's got to help the Democrats in this. Yeah, 100%. I mean, all the polls say that Biden is uh, winning hugely amongst new people, new voters. Um, but again, those stats only come in certain states. Mm. So one real kind of key stat that doesn't get enough attention, probably from online politicos like myself, is North Carolina, where actually we've seen uh, over half a million voters are actually new to the rolls there. So either they've moved in from elsewhere because it's a very quickly growing state or, yeah, you know, they, they turned 18 since the last election and they're growing. And yeah, that, again, is only good news for the Democrats. But what the polls are telling us is that that young voter enthusiasm is actually being matched by Trump's core voter enthusiasm. The difference being, as I said, is that Trump's vote hasn't actually turned up and voted yet. So. Now, there was a poll that came out 
uh, I think it was today or yesterday, which was an outlier poll, which had Trump winning um, the, the Sunday Express poll. Was it the Sunday Express poll that that had that had Trump in the lead? Um, how much stock would you put by that poll? Because obviously that that's different from what we've been hearing. And how does that compare with what was happening in 2016 with Hillary and Donald, where first name terms, where um, Hillary was in the lead all the way up to the election? Well, just to start with your last point, Hillary did actually win the popular vote at the last election. So she won it by two points. Um, that was actually within the margin of error for a lot of reputable pollsters. They may have put her up by, you know, three or four, but that's still within the margin of error. So just to start with that. And um, this cycle as well, I mean, I haven't seen the particular Daily Telegraph poll. I can't say I'm much of a reader, sadly. But um, they, uh, um, there have been polls all through the cycle that have put Trump ahead. However, those polls have been few and far between. And they've often been conducted by polls that have a partisan lean towards the Republican Party. And even a lot of those polls haven't been great for Biden. So they've been putting him up by, uh, for Trump, sorry, they've been putting him up by one or two or so. Some have even put Biden ahead. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, you know, I wouldn't place much stock in just one poll. Um, much like everything in America, a lot of it is a very marketized thing. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of pollsters that get a lot of coverage don't, um, don't get the proper scrutiny that pollsters in the UK get, for example. So uh, you can end up with a lot of very kind of crazy polls coming out of the woodwork, pollsters that haven't really done much before coming out with the last minute, coming out with something strange. That's not to say they're wrong, but it's not what we've been seeing everywhere else so far. Really interesting. I had a question and I've totally lost it. <laughs> um, so some people online have been saying that some of these polls, because you're right, Ollie, what certainly what I'd read was that that Sunday Express poll had come from one of those right-leaning polling companies. Some people have been saying that that's, you know, part of the campaign strategy in going into the election in order for them to discredit what could be a Biden victory um, and, and give them some evidence that there might have been some tampering. Yep, 100%. Um, clearly, there are partisan pollsters out there who are commissioned essentially to get a certain result, have a certain bias, and that could certainly be part of the overall strategy. I mean, um, one thing that we've seen as part of kind of the atomization of our culture and our politics is that you can kind of create your own self-reinforcing bubble that just tells you what you want to think. Mm. And uh, if you want an interesting thought experiment, if you've got 20 minutes and you can really steal yourself, you can dive into Trump Twitter world and you can find essentially alternative facts, alternative reality that can tell you what you want to hear. And there's enough of that out there that means you can kind of create this different discourse. I guess the idea is to what end? Um, if it is an absolutely crushing Biden victory, which it could be, there's a the case that that might be on the cards, then is there really any kind of worthwhile doing that? Again, the sort of conspiracy sort of theory you read amongst kind of the more online left is that Trump's going to start his own television network. And to have that television network, you need, say, only... 10 to 15% of the electorate really excited about that to make a hell of a lot of money on advertising. So sell them a lie and maybe you can sell them a TV station and make a load of money. And that fits, Ollie, with a lot of what Donald Trump has been doing throughout his premiership. So he's often been using misinformation or um, sort of, you know, conspiracy theories and hoaxes to justify behaviours and actions that maybe wouldn't be acceptable otherwise. And I suppose 
if you're a Democrat, as in you're a person that believes in democracy, not Democrat with a capital D, um, that's a very worrying sign about what might come up, what, what might happen post the election. So if we could just talk about that for a moment or two, can you describe to us the process that has to happen for, uh, for one of the candidates to become the president of the United States? Um, so are you asking like what the electoral college is or are you asking? Uh, basically, yeah, because as you said before, Hillary won the popular vote, but that wasn't enough to allow her to win the presidency. So if you could sort of say, you know, maybe talk us to the timeline a bit. So polls close at 10 p.m. and then what happens after that? So, yeah, polls close at kind of different times all over the country because, uh, again, different rules, different states and also different time differences. So uh, it's a bit of a mishmash. They can't be like the polls close at this time. But essentially, to give kind of a broad sort of high level view, uh, the polls will close early evening, a little earlier than they do in the UK over in the States. And then um, they will commence counting. Um, uh, and again, this is where we kind of fall into kind of the weird vague gray areas because they will, uh, different counties, different states will count different types of votes first. Ooh. So uh, <laughs> it gets really, really wonkish at this point. But basically, at, um, you know, around sort of 1, 2 a.m. sort of uh, UK time, um, the US networks will start to call states. This won't mean that the final results are in. But what they will start to say is, so for example, New York State, very safe, Democratic, going to be very safe this time. They won't wait for them to count all the votes in New York, which, by the way, could take months in New York because they're not very good at running elections. Um, they will just call it for the Democrats and put the, uh, the electoral votes in, in his column. And that's the interesting thing. So instead of like, you know, uh, for example, say a mayoral election where a candidate gets more than 50% and they've won, instead, you win a state and you get that state's electoral votes, and then you have to get 270 of those electoral votes to then win the election. So as the night goes on, different states will make a call that this person has won or this person has won, and uh, then those votes, those electoral votes, will then be put in one of the uh, candidates' columns. Uh, and is it right that some, of, well, some or all of the counting places publish those those counts on a, almost a rolling basis, which is very different to what happens in the UK, yeah. where you have to wait until counting is finished. 100%. So again, it's different rules in different states. But yeah, some will do live counting. So different counties will sort of start to upload their counts so you can kind of see them progress through the night. And that is how a lot of states are often able to make a call before the actual final vote is tabulated, because they're able to say, well, you know, Trump or Biden is 20 points ahead in this county and there just isn't enough votes in the rest of the state to be able to overturn that boundary so we can call it for mm. you know, Biden, Trump or whatever. So that makes election night quite fun. It does make election night quite fun. It does, uh, it does really change things. And the weird kind of differentiation of the rules actually, which I mentioned earlier, actually does make a huge difference. So a lot of the Rust Belt states, to kind of group them as an homogenous thing, which of course they're not, um, they tend to count the election day vote first and then count the postal votes or the early votes later on. So a lot of people in those states are expecting that Trump will jump out to this absolutely huge insurmountable lead where say somebody with nefarious intentions could say, well, I'm clearly winning and I'm gonna win and I've won that state and the network should give it to me. Uh, versus your Sunbelt states, for example, who do it the other way around. So they will count the early votes first and suddenly there'll be this huge democratic lead. And then as the on the day votes come in, it will then start ticking back. So it, 
it will be quite exciting and quite nail-biting in a lot of states. And as you say, the networks give a bit of a running commentary on that. So whereas in UK elections, we all sit and we wait and there's a dusty community room and <laughs> stands up and reads these results. Instead, they will have some real-time websites that they're all looking and updating. Obviously, it's America. There will be flashy graphics all over everything. One of my favorite hosts is called Wolf Blitzer. You don't get that in the UK. You know, it, it, it is like, it's just more glitzy and more show businessy. Um, um, yeah, they try and keep it exciting. They'll have tons of guests on. They'll be incredibly partisan. They'll be arguing. You know, it, it, it'll be fun to watch. There is, there is nothing more exciting than democracy, um, <laughs> even if it's a, in a dusty community hall. I would say fun for us and the watchers and listeners. Of this <laughs> Maybe not fun beyond that bubble, but, you know, we are where we are. Before, before we go into state by state, because I would like you to give us some runners and riders to keep an eye on, if oh, possible. Um, I think one of the things that people are obviously interested in and concerned about is the immediate fallout after the election mm -hmm. and what might happen there. Now, we've heard a lot of discussions about, you know, Donald Trump lawyering up and preparing lots of legal battles. What, what, what might those be? Like, what are the legal things that you can contest um, that might allow you to say this result is invalid? I mean, all kinds of things. It's worth noting for people that are really, really scared at this point that this often happens in every election cycle. Uh, you know, the, the America has elected judges. It's, it's partisan at that level. So, you know, like lawsuits have been filed throughout and most of these claims are baseless. Most of them, you know, and this isn't me being partisan, most of them are being driven by Republicans right now. And it is, it is quite worrying to watch. And also it's, it's quite novel for sort of as UK poll watchers mm -hmm. to sort of see this unfold and unfold. Uh, but the kind of things you get are like um, sort of similar to some of the arguments you occasionally see increasingly conservative type politicians making in the UK that the postal vote is abused. You know, we don't know that, um, you know, all these people that have said they're voting, you know, are real. Are they dead? You know, uh, have you got like 20 votes from a household that only has one person in? You know, it's that kind of verification process where they try and blur the lines a bit and table a lot of counts around. I mean, Ollie, one of the things which, now, uh, call, call me, you know, um, I don't want to be alarmist, but I, and I don't want to be a cynic, but um, it did occur to me, as I'm sure it occurred to other people, that Donald Trump cancelled his big party that he was going to have in New York. Obviously, people might want to think that that was because of COVID, but then he was going to have 400 people inside the White House, so probably not because of COVID. Is he, in fact, putting himself in the White House strategically so that in any contested election, he is effectively occupying the building? Um, because we know that that can give, if we think about, for example, what happened um, in the UK in 2010, was it? Um, we know that that can give the sort of the incumbent and the person that was there before a sort of greater prestige and power to, to hang on a bit longer. Um, we saw that a bit when, you know, um, Gordon Brown was trying to negotiate um, a coalition with the Lib Dems before um, David Cameron came in. So do you think this is a deliberate tactic on those kind of, down those lines? Uh, in short, yes. And I know the answer is yes, is because that's exactly what Donald Trump says he's going to do. Oh. So uh, he's been speaking at rallies for the last two days saying, if I'm up in Pennsylvania on election night, I'm going to say I won. And, you know, that's that. And as I kind of explained previously, you know, Pennsylvania will count the election day vote first, which is likely to be very Republican, and it will then count the early vote, which is very Democratic, second. So he's basically already said he's going to do that. 
And yeah, I think you're completely right. Doing that with the backdrop of the White House behind you gives you a certain authority when you do that. Mm. Now, as a bulwark to that, um, a group of uh, broadcasters in America have basically signed up to very kind of strict sort of codes and guidelines around what they're going to let candidates do on election night in terms of speaking on television or calling states for themselves. Uh, and that group of broadcasters does include Fox, for example, you would think they'd be a weak point in that. So there are some mitigations against that. So you might have Trump standing up and saying, I'm calling Pennsylvania for me. And it may then cut to a group of broadcasters who say he absolutely has not won it. That is a falsehood. I just love the idea that you could call something for yourself. Like the next election here, I'm just going to call it for me. I'm just going to be like, in this general election, I call it for Nick Ward. Um, see how that goes. You know, but at the end of the day, um, I mean, I don't know if anyone's been watching the Trump show on the BBC. Mm -hmm. yeah. there, uh, where somebody said that, you know, basically Trump has just started pushing the boundaries of what he can do as president. And this is the ultimate place to push it, isn't it? I'm just going to say I won. I'm just not going to leave. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's a pathway. However, the other bulwark against that is Trump can only do that if it's close. Mm. So, you know, if he's close in Pennsylvania, he can cast doubt, he can cast assertions, he can get lawyered up and suddenly you start getting people going, oh, well, you know, this vote here and this vote here. And obviously, America is a very partisan, a very divided nation. So there will be Republicans that echo that and you can try and create that counter narrative and that sense of drive. However, if Trump turns around and all of a sudden he's lost Texas, game over. It's not going to happen. So, you know. So before we get into um, some of the key states to watch, and we know that Cameron sent in a question um, about what states to watch, it'll be really interesting to get your um, sense of that, Ollie. I had a question. Nick, um, at the in the last podcast, mentioned the West Wing. Yeah. And I, I Googled this because I wanted to make sure before I asked a stupid question. But Hartsfield Landing is a real place. Does it have any 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 play in, the, in, in real life elections? Uh, it's it's one of those brilliant quirks of election night that America has, you know, similar to the kind of ballot box race we have in UK elections where people kind of race and you watch people running along with ballot boxes. It's a similar thing in America whereby, you know, it'll be like, oh, hey, you know, those those people in those houses have done their vote again and let's look who won. You know, they sort of, it doesn't really tell us anything, but it, it's fun. It, you know, it feels like half an hour of airtime all the way. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Bro, okay, well, let's dive in and then we'll finish off with like what time things happen and stuff. So, Ollie, what are the key, can you give us your key states that you think are going to be real bellwethers for us to know how things have gone? And we're going to write these down uh, so that we that we have, a, we have that prediction in, um, well, I was going to say in stone, but in ink, obviously. Um, so what, which ones do you think on election night we should be keeping a really close eye on and what, what might the results mean? Yeah, so one of the things that's a really good sign for Biden is that actually there's a lot of battleground states this year that, that we need to be looking at. So to just kind of roughly categorise them a bit, uh, first up, we've got the pretty obvious states, which we all know about, which are the Rust Belt states. Uh, these include uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, uh, and, um, you know, they, these are real kind of like, these are the, the states which Trump won surprisingly last time. So they're always key. They're, they've been key in elections for many, many years. So getting the results there 
will be uh, you know hugely hugely important and impactful however that's also a group of states where the election boards are underfunded they're counting things in weird ways so they're also the states where actually it could take a number of days before we know the final result and if the election is close if some of biden's other pathways don't come out because you know trump just about hangs on in enough states they take on real 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 importance mm. the other state which uh you know before you go into the next day though do you have a prediction about which way those states will go um, so I'll just stick with Wisconsin and Michigan. I think uh, the others are kind of less impactful on the results, but I think Wisconsin and Michigan will definitely go to Biden. Okay, thank you. And so the other state, you can continue now, sorry. Holly. That's right. <laughs> so the other state, which my American friends would tell me is not part of the Rust Belt, but which a lot of people kind of throw in there with the rest because of some similar demographics and also it's important as well, is Pennsylvania which we've spoken about already. Another state kind of similar in that it has that white working class kind of Trumpian factor versus the historical kind of trade union bastion of the Democrats as well. You know, one of the surprises on election night last time around. And that is predicted to be most likely tipping point state. So what we mean by tipping point state is it's the state that gets you over the 270 electoral vote line. Um, Biden probably needs it, although there are quite a few scenarios where he doesn't need it. However, Trump desperately needs it. It's pretty much his only path to an illegitimate victory. It's also a state where you can cast aspersions over the vote because uh, of what we were saying about that early and late vote. And also the state legislature is Republican. So we'll be able to aid him with some of that in terms of the decisions that come up through the courts. Great. And in terms of my prediction, Yep. Uh, I would, I mean, this one is really, really tough. The polls are currently pointing to a five points or so Biden win, whereas the national vote is saying he could win by as much as eight, nine, or even 10. Mm. So uh, I'm going to go for Biden, but it's very much one of those where I wouldn't be surprised if somehow out of nowhere Trump won, because in the last two elections, the Democratic share of the vote has been underestimated in, uh, in the whole of the Rust Belt and Pennsylvania by pollsters. So, you know, there's a late surge of undecideds to Donald Trump, and then there's a polling error in his favor. Suddenly five points can become, you know, minus 0.5, where we're getting into recount territory and delay territory. Real. And what any other states that you think are ones we need to keep That's, a close eye on? Uh, again, for the need for speed, I'm going to kind of group some of our Sunbelt states together. So that includes Florida, which of course we all know about and where I'm talking to you from today, uh, honestly. Uh, we've also got um, North Carolina as well, which I think is very an underrated kind of tipping point state in this. Uh, people forget that Barack Obama won it in 2008. Uh, actually, one of the things I did when I was working in American politics is I staffed the convention in North Carolina. Uh, it's a state that is changing rapidly. It's getting younger. It's getting more democratic. Half a million uh, young people that didn't vote in 2016 have voted this time. They tend to be democratic. Uh, so that's a really, really interesting state as well. And then you've got Georgia, uh, which surprisingly, people don't think of Georgia as being democratic, but that's getting bluer and bluer as well. And uh, finally, in that little belt there, you've got Texas as well. And uh, ahead of this podcast, I went and sort of phoned up and texted loads of my kind of American friends that are working on the election today. And the theme that came out from all of them was just that something is happening in Texas. It's already at 110% of its vote from 2016 before election day has even happened. 
Wow. And I thought I, you were going to say like over oh, 110% of his vote. I was like, well, that doesn't sound like it's <laughs> right, does it? That does sound like a lawsuit is needed there. Okay. <laughs> uh, the early vote, as we've said, is overwhelmingly democratic. Um, at the last, uh, the 2018 elections, where pollsters were actually quite accurate, um, the Republicans won it by like two, three points, barely at all. It's getting more diverse. Um, the fact the, the introduction of things like drop boxes have actually made it easier for a lot of people to vote in Texas. And actually, like people think that when Democrats eventually win in Texas, it will be because the states become really, really diverse and that Latinos have eventually like started coming to the polls and giving it to them. So I was going to say, is that, is that the same with all these Sunbelt states where it's actually a demographic shift? Some of it is, some of it is, but actually one of the key demographics that we've seen deserting the Republican Party and coming to the Democrats, and that's not based on polling, that's based on polling and the results of the 2018 uh, midterm elections, is actually uh, white suburban women. Mm. They don't like Trump. I mean, <laughs> you're Fair a white moderate woman, why would you, quite frankly? <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, we've seen them abandoning Trump in huge numbers. And that's the demographic that's really, really strongly turned out in Texas. There's actually a lot of Latino votes there, which could come out on election day and put Trump over the top. So a lot of people, a lot of Democrats are really excited. Could this be the year in Texas when it finally, uh, finally turns blue? Your prediction for Florida, North Carolina, Georgia, and Texas. Go on, give us some quick. Oh, I mean, the fact we've barely spent any time on Florida at all is a misnomer. Uh, Florida, I am going to give to Trump. So one of the interesting quirks where we talk about Latinos there is actually a lot of Latinos in Florida are of Cuban heritage. Mm. Uh, so any accusations of socialism there really, really stick with this particular demographic. Uh, I'm going to give, so I'm going to give Florida on the nose. It's tight. It's always tight. It's not moved in the way that polling has in the rest of the country. So I'm going to give that to Trump by a nose. Uh, I'm also therefore, because they move a little bit in tandem, although they are slightly different, I'm therefore going to give Georgia to uh, Trump, but again, by a nose. Um, I'm going to say that it's going to be ridiculously close and it's going to be very exciting, but sadly, I'm also giving, I am a Democrat, I'm giving Texas to Trump by a no. <sighs> However, and this is where I maybe do get bold, a lot bolder than people are telling me, uh, I think North Carolina will go Democratic this year. Mm. I had been seeing that about Texas, um, so that will definitely be an interesting state to watch. Yeah, um, they also count their votes relatively quickly, so we should find out on election night. Same with Florida as well. I mean, mm. if Biden wins Florida, it's all right. Is there, is, there, is there any other states, Ollie, that we should absolutely, any final state where you're like, you know, this is a bit of a random one, but keep an eye on that state that you think we should be uh, on? So uh, I'll just finish my roundup of states first, and then okay. I will answer that question because I think it's a really good one. So the final state, which people erroneously refer to as Sunbelt, is Arizona. And actually, Arizona gives uh, Biden another kind of really clear path to the 270 electoral votes we, we mentioned earlier, where maybe he doesn't even need Pennsylvania, for example. So um, I would also, I'm also going to call that one for Biden. I think he's been consistently ahead in that state. He's not been ahead by as much as Pennsylvania, but actually that part of the country has a history of uh, underpolling the Democratic vote rather than overpolling. So if you look at Nevada, which if you look at the early vote there, Biden's essentially already won it. And if you look at, obviously, it's at the other side of Arizona, which is California, very, very democratic. Uh, I think we'll see uh, a change there as well. And I think Biden will win Arizona. Now, in terms of our kind of like state to look at that you um, might be really, really interested in, I'm going to go kind of hyper nerdy here. 
and look at some of the first votes we're going to get in, which are actually in Maine. So Maine, uh, you know, when I was talking about how the rules are slightly different all over the country, which is, which is why it's quite hard sometimes to speak in broad kind of sweeping terms about American uh, politics. Uh, instead of winner takes all in Maine, Maine is instead assign, uh, assigns its uh, by electoral votes in a slightly different system. So they don't give it to winner takes all. Uh, they give it uh, if you win certain congressional districts. So you get two electoral votes if you win the whole state overall, and then you get one for one uh, electoral district and then another electoral vote for another electoral district. Uh, we're going to see that result relatively early on in the night. And if that goes, and if that weird one extra electoral vote that went for Biden last, uh, that went for Trump last time goes for Biden this time, then I think that's a really good sign and a little kind of like, nerdish early warning sign that hey this could be uh, a really great night for the democrats not a, not a sure thing but an early thing to watch for is there any state that we should be looking at that if biden doesn't win we should be worried um i would say early on in the night in new hampshire i think uh it's been close uh it has a slightly trumpy demographic it's early on in the night, as I said, I think like if that's suddenly too close to call early on in the night, uh, you know, because as polls close, um, the networks will say this has gone Biden, this has gone Trump, or this is too close to call. I think if you've got a state like New Hampshire early on saying this is too close to call, I think that's incredibly worrying. I think if the Sun Belt states, like I said, North Carolina, Georgia, Texas, if they're called really, really quickly for Donald Trump, then I would start to get a little bit worried about, you know, is he going to prevail in Florida? Is he going to prevail in, you know, Arizona and some of these other kind of states I've been thinking about? So that, that is brilliant. And I think um, we all will sort of wrap this bit up and say, like, let's see what happens on Thursday. Well, uh, Thursday, Tuesday. predictions in the hat. Mm. Say that again? Sorry, I missed that. I was going to put your predictions in the hat. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> state by state, but overall winner. I, it's got to be Biden, I think. Um, it, the, the thing for me that, that's going to be the struggle um, is, you know, that question, when will we know the results? I think this is going to be a, a very, uh, unless it's such a clear-cut victory for Biden, we're probably not going to know the final result for some time um, because Trump is going to challenge absolutely everything, challenge the legitimacy of the election. But ultimately, I think... Um, I don't know if it's a thinker, I hope. <laughs> I hope to, to God for America that um, that Biden's the, the winner. I think for me, um, I do as well, to the God of America, which is this new God that we now must praise on the podcast, to the God of America. I, I also hope that he's the winner, but I think for more uh, slightly esoteric reasons, which is that um, I think if it's not, it'll really shake my faith in democracy. Um, to be honest, the, you know, we want to have a system where people can vote however they want, but you like the idea that if they, people make mistakes and people can vote for the wrong person and that's what happens. But I suppose a really good system is one where people learn from that mistake and then don't make it again. And I, and I just hope that the, the good people of America, and you know, I've been to America lots of my time and I know that the people there are vast majority are loving, kind, wonderful people. Um, that they make the right choice and don't vote for a horrible, xenophobic bigot. But, you know, I'm biased. I'm biased. For <laughs> um, <laughs> Ollie, tell us what time do we start doing this? And should we watch it on Sky News or BBC? See you, or man. 
or I CNN. Got to watch Wolf Blitzer, hundred percent. Is that CNN? Honestly, that's CNN. Um, so in terms of when it's all going to kick off, um, I mean, Eastern time is five hours behind the UK now. Um, so I would actually recommend if you want to kind of really get involved, having an early night and then waking up in the early hours of the morning. Um, the earlier the better, 1, 2 a.m. results should start coming in. Mm. Um, but then similar to uh, UK politics as well, there'll then be a big gap until it gets really, really interesting. Mm. So, um, and, you know, as Nathan said, we may not know the result in some crucial states for days. Uh, uh, coronavirus pandemic means that 100 million people have voted early. That's off the charts. Um, you know, you guys, I've heard your podcast, you'll know that counting postal votes takes longer because you have to out of several envelopes, you have to verify signatures. So, you know, they're not prepared for this in a lot of states. It's going to take a long time. Uh, it's not going to be solved on election night unless, unless Biden is one in Well, I'm sure, um, I'm certainly planning on staying um, up for most of it so people can follow uh, me on Twitter for some some of my takes as the night goes on. Nick, are you staying up? I, I, I've got a 9 a.m. meeting. Oh, that's bad planning. <laughs> that is bad planning. I might try and move it because the person that I'm meeting with is also quite, uh, is, is uh, my colleague Rob, and he also, uh, who I believe you know actually, Ollie, and he, uh, he is quite a, a fan of the politics, so maybe he will be up for slotting our meeting back a bit. Maybe um, you could do it like, you know, at sort of 2.30 a.m. between some of the Eastern Seaboard <laughs> states declaring, you know. What a good idea. Let's have a check-in. 2 a.m. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we could get sued for that. But it's a, it's a, it's a nice uh, concept. So we will be back on Thursday, which was after the election, everyone knows, with Ollie again to look at the results and what happened in more depth of a more full episode um, and see what the results are there. We hope you've enjoyed this electoral special um, that's coming out. And um, we look forward to seeing you on Thursday and, of course, um, to seeing the great democratic experiment play out in America. <laughs> <laughs>